A new year means a new opportunity to create better health goals for yourself. And I cannot tell you how incredibly grateful I am to have a tonal in my home. Many of you have heard my interview with Ollie, and I am just so incredibly impressed with how smart this machine is. With every update that they do, I get a new HIT program. There's yoga, meditation, guided programs, custom workouts, all set up for your convenience so that you can get on your machine whenever you have and make the time. Tonal makes strength training more accessible and more convenient, and I find myself doing workouts on this machine that I never would do at the gym. It even has advanced weight modes. Tonal makes it easy for you to get to your goals, whether you want to be self-guided or you need a coach to help motivate you. Tonal is a smart at-home gym that replaces every machine in the weight room and has personal training programs built in. There are no bulky weights or racks, and it goes up to 200 pounds of resistance. Oh, and I'm also part of the Tonal online community on Facebook groups, official Tonal community, and I've actually made some new friends. So if you're looking to invest in yourself, and don't wanna spend the money on a bike that doesn't go anywhere, check out Tonal. You can try it today with 30 days risk-free. Visit www.tonal.com, and for a limited time, you can get $100 off of the smart accessories when you use the promo code LOVED at checkout. That's L-O-V-E-D. So visit www.tonal.com. Use promo code LOVED at checkout so you can get $100 off of the smart accessories. Tonal is here to help you be your strongest. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radically Loved Radio. Uh, It is Friday, January 15th, and we are so excited to be here with you this day. I was going to say morning, afternoon. I don't know what time you're listening to this, but whatever time of the day it is. Hello. How are you? And hi, Tess. Hi, Rosie. How are you? Oh, you know, just <laughs> the same, samesies. Samesies. It's samesies, same, same, but different, but still the same. How are you? How is this year going for you so far? <laughs> I feel like it's been a roller coaster ride. Well, mm, yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. I've been kind of busy in a good yep. way. Lots yep. of things in the works. And like, you know, on the self-discovery path, body work, all that kind of stuff. Body. Tell us about this body work. Oh my gosh. So intense. So I've tried all the things like rolfing and acupuncture and seeing a naturopath and, you know, for things like chronic pain, like my neck and my shoulder. Um, I've had a car accident a couple of years ago. So my right side is a little bit jacked up. And, uh, so, um, I saw this acupuncturist and he's like, so I'm not really t- traditional. I don't do a lot of acupressure, but I do a lot of acu, uh, I don't do a lot of acupuncture, but I do a lot of acupressure. And it felt like all of these things at once. It felt like massage, rolfing, um, psychosomatic therapy. Cause he was talking to me the whole time oh. <laughs> about my childhood. And it felt like a chiropractor, like the best chiropractor I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of chiropractors and I know how tight my upper back is. My thoracic spine will like never crack no matter how deep of a massage I get. And this man cracked my elbows. He cracked my wrist, all of my fingers, my hips, my knees, my ankles, holy cow, my neck my upper back, like the whole thing. And have you ever had an experience like this where it was like a release in the moment, but then 
it's like all of my muscles have to rearrange themselves. Yes. You're like, what did you just do to me? Yes. (laughs) So that's where I'm at. (laughs) Wow. Oh, I'm so excited. I love this stuff. So it's funny that you say that because my friend, also my chiropractor, Mm -hmm. uh, Joey Matina is going to be with us. He's one of the guests that we're going to have on in a couple of weeks. And, uh, he is incredibly gifted at what he does. Uh, he is so intuitive with how he works the body. And it's so interesting because we have the best conversations during our session, because we are talking about all of these connections. And obviously when you have the knowledge that you and I have, and we've done, uh, our own work, but we also study this type of connection with the body. And it's just so fascinating to me to feel the different energies, you know, like there was one time where he was adjusting me and I just, I I kept feeling just stuck. And then he's moving into my diaphragm and he's like, Oh, your breath is stuck. And I'm like, what? My breath is stuck. Mm. And then he did something. And then I just, I took like a deep breath and it, it was, it was so deep of a release that it made me emotional. Like I totally got like, you know, when you just, you don't realize how long you've been holding on to tension that when it finally releases, you're like, Oh, there it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to me, I, I can relate this to just yoga practice, yoga asana in general. When I am practicing, I, I have to remind myself constantly that this is part of that manipulation, physical manipulation that my body needs in order to release whatever things, whatever issues are in our tissues, you know, whatever things are there so that you can get that full, um, exercise, you know, I think exercise, I think like exorcism, you know, Oh, I was just going to say that totally. (laughs) It does feel like an exorcism, especially when those emotions come up and you're like, lying on this person's table and you're like, why am I crying right now? Why am I angry? How come I'm laughing uncontrollably? Yes. It's just this, it's unlocking all of those emotions that are yes. in the body. Oh my goodness. So much, so much. Yes. Everything that you're saying. <laughs> yes. So I, I want to take just a quick opportunity to remind everybody that we are doing our 75 days of wellness. It's all about creating rituals to live your best life. And so with the year that we had last year, I know that for me, a achieving wellness during one of the most chaotic times in our recent history was really hard. And I'm not a fan of the instant result. I mean, I am, everybody's a fan of instant results. Let's just say it's just not the healthiest way (laughs) to go about it. Right. I was going to say, I'm not a fan of instant. And I'm like, who am I kidding? Yes, I am a fan of instant (laughs) everything and anything. And most of us are, but at the end of the day, I realized that for myself, when I did little things every day, it, it resulted in something more substantial and something more sustainable. So I, I thought of this idea, you know, cause I kept seeing all these different like challenges and things. And I was just like, what if there's just a invitation to creating something every day that will uh, encourage us to create new rituals and, and create a different neurological pathway in our minds to create different routines, to create something new so that we're in a a deeper state of peace, joy, and happiness within ourselves, you know? So the whole idea of the 75 days of wellness is 
to do something every day. And there is a, a free ebook and this whole experience, it's totally free. And we're doing some live sessions that you can sign up and register for. You can find all that information on radicallylove.com, or you can go to the show notes links of this podcast and get the free manual, or you can go to my Instagram page and you can go into the link in my bio and get all the information there. But the most important thing is that you just, you do your best, you know, wellness is about your life as a whole, your, your emotional, your physical, your financial, uh, well-being, your, your psycho-spiritual health. It's, it's all of it. You know, wellness is a, a journey, not a destination. And I think that the more we put our energy into that, especially knowing the upheaval of 2020, we can all gather together as a community, even though we can't be together, we can still energetically be there to support each other. So that's the whole thinking behind the 75 days of wellness and Tessa's going to be there. I'm excited for her to, to, I'm, I'm excited for her feedback when she gets the manual and she sees it and she commits to whatever she's going to decide to do for 75 days. Cause she's going to tell us and then <laughs> I will tell you guys, and then we'll all keep each other accountable. What do you think Tess? Oh, that's, it's so helpful to have somebody to be accountable to. I mean, that's how I began running again after multiple stops and starts. And it's the only way I feel like I make progress with a particular goal is knowing that somebody's going to be there to have my back and support me through it. So yeah, let's do this. I'm excited. Yes. Okay. Well, that being said, this week's guest is somebody who, wow. I mean, can we just talk about how I was totally taken aback by our next guest, because I did not expect our conversation to go the way that it went. And I will tell you, it was full of surprises. So Wade Lightheart shares how you can move beyond your tribe by looking deeper within yourself. He is just a, an incredible entrepreneur and such an innovative human being. We just really went there in this episode. I did not think that we were going into a spiritual philosophic conversation, but that is exactly where it went. You know, he is the head of Bioptimizers, who is one of our, you know, longest time devoted sponsors for the show. So we are super, super grateful for them. And I thought he was just going to come on here and talk about, you know, my breakthrough magnesium, which you guys all know that I'm obsessed with and I take every day. And that was not how the conversation went. Yeah, he was. Wow. I mean, but talk about a prolific conversation and yes. inspiring and kind of mind blowing. I, I listened to it. Um, obviously before recording this right now, I listened to it. And, um, I remember talking to you after you recorded and you were like, yeah, I'm still processing it. I can't wait oh, for yeah. you to listen. And I feel the same way. I feel a little bit like, whoa, I have to go back and listen and take notes. This is yeah. one of those, um, sorry, my kitty's trying to knock over myself. Oh, hi kitty. Hello kitty. Hi kitty. Oh, I love part of it. Oh, hi. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, so yeah, he was just what an inspiring and, and like-minded yogi. I just yes. I had no idea. This man so is cool. this man is a living, breathing practice, uh -huh. I will say. And I learned so, so much. We talked about anger and discernment. We talked about spirituality. We talked about his own 
personal journey. We talked about being present. We talked about fostering kind connections. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And again, I am just so honored to have had this conversation with him. What an incredible person and what an appropriate name for a man, Lightheart. I mean, that is just so incredible. So I can't wait to hear what you guys thought of this conversation. Please remember to share this with your friends, share this with anybody who you think it would um, change their day, or maybe they just, they could really use that information, or maybe they just want to hear from you and know that you're thinking about them on their journey. That's always nice. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Wade Lightheart. I've been looking forward to talking to this person for a very long time, especially since they are a huge supporter of both the podcast, both Wise and Radically Loved Radio. Wade Lightheart is the president of Bioptimizers. He's a three-time Canadian natural bodybuilding champion. Wade is one of the world's premier authorities on natural nutrition and training methods. And what better person to talk to about staying healthy during crazy times. Obviously I've been on a health journey for the last year, it feels like, and I've really been diving deep into learning about all the different supplements that work in conjunction with mindfulness, yoga nidra and movement. I am so excited to talk to somebody who this is what he's done basically his entire life so that he can lead us into continuing to deepen our practice, continue to deepen our knowledge to what makes our health our best. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Wade Lightheart. I think, I think what, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big meditative person and I was listening to one of my spiritual teachers this morning, uh, Dr. David Hawkins. And he was saying, you know, when you're engaged in a spiritual or the the pursuit of truth, a lot of people think it's all sunshine and rainbows, but it brings up that which is not truthful. And that is oftentimes very ugly and not pleasant to look at. And I think in this era of what I call new age spirituality is that if I hold things in mind, I'm going to manifest and I'm going to be rich and famous and healthy and beautiful and meet the person of my dreams. And we're going to ride off into the Hollywood version of some ideological untruth. When in fact, it's like, Oh, I'm a little bit narcissistic. Uh, I've actually got some serious character defects and I'm not as smart as I need to, as I like to think I am. And people don't want to look at that part of themselves. And real workers, Carl Jung suggested, going into the, into the shadow self the, the, is not comfortable and pleasant. And I think right now what's happening globally is we are experiencing the world family going into and exposing its shadow self in all of its ugliness and it's being broadcast to our, uh, our, our phones and our screens 24 hours a day. And the opportunity is, is how do we transcend the pettiness of humanity and rise above uh, tribalism as an unintended consequence of the digital age? Oh, how indeed. Guide us. Please tell us how we fix this. 
Well, first, as opposed to broadcasting to everybody else, how they need to fix themselves, we need to reverse the search engines mm. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and stop seeking a confirmation of our beliefs and start challenging our own beliefs, starting oh. first with ourself. That is, you're dropping the mic. I love that you're dropping the mic and we just went straight into the deep stuff. You literally are my spirit animal. Um, that I, I've just, I have so many thoughts on that. And I think that part of what has caused such a huge upheaval for people is the fact that they are now being forced to challenge their own belief systems, to challenge their own truths and their own perspective, their own, you know, perception of what reality and what the truth is. And that can be really hard for people. I mean, somebody like you or, or I who have been in the practice of uh, contemplation, mindfulness or meditation that can have that. I mean, even for myself, I, I don't tout myself as knowing myself, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I've done enough practice to be able to discern when something doesn't feel right. And I, I can, critically think for myself without needing to watch a YouTube video to confirm something or not. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel like a lot of people are there, you know? Well, the unintended consequences of uh, mathematical algorithms, which reward the, the unconscious biases that we all have now has everybody living in a customized echo chamber of their own a confirmational bias prison. And so kind of like that old movie that was called The Matrix, it's a prison for your mind. And I think finally social media, that the social dilemma kind of articulates mm -hmm. that a little bit. But I think a lot of people, you know, the, the defectiveness of the brain as it is, as a physiological structure, means that no matter how intelligent you are, you can only make a determination of, of reality based on what you're exposed to. And throughout history, uh, if you look at tribalism in humanity, which is part of all of our collective heritage ancestrally and is baked into the DNA in court, in, in, in court of neurological and biological sciences, well, each tribe had its own beliefs, its own gods, its own values, and its own kind of rules of society. And when encountered with other tribes, uh, oftentimes those ended up into mischaracterizations out of fear in survival dynamics. So we kind of transcended that. We went to, we got to tribalism, went to city states, city states went to um, large states, like, you know, the kind of like what we're seeing in countries. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the history of the world has been the warring fractions from different ideologies and the rise and fall of different ways to govern society and its distribution of people. And the reality is, is we've got to the peak of civilization through uh, technological innovation. But the unintended consequences of social media is that it's accessed and recreated the conditions of tribalism by creating tribes of one. And these tribes of one now are then categorized into people who have a similar associative bias. Mm -hmm. 
And now you are getting reinforced by a collective group of 100 or 150 or 250 or 2,000 or 2 million or 70 million, whichever it happens to be, depending on what tribe you're choosing to identify with. And inside of that, everybody says, well, of course, we've come to this conclusion. How could anybody possibly think anything other than else when every source of input tells me that we need to adhere to the tribal dynamics? And therefore, we now are into these fractionated aspects where we're determining people by how much melanin they have in their skin, by how much um, light, light, uh, lights go on in their bank account because there's no real money. These are just transfers in a computer. So I look at my computer and I feel I'm like I'm broke or I feel like I'm wealthy. What is the difference? It's a flip of a switch on a screen and we have a, co a completely... Uh, different view of themselves, or I have some associated letters to myself, or I, I've had an accomplishment that I'm using. You were talking earlier about, oh, I've seen all your accomplishments. That's the past. They're nothing. I'm, I'm here in the present. And, and, and so what a lot of people are, they're so insanely fearful of letting the world know that, hey, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a flawed human being trying to make my sense in the world, just trying to do the best that I can. And they've put up all these not these projected mirrors to protect themselves from the reality of their own crap. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is probably the best uh, definition <laughs> I've heard this entire year about what's going on. I, why, why are people so angry? It's when people feel that their sense of future or status quo, or the value systems that have in what they feel it keeps them in uh, survive. You know, their, yes. their survival is threatened. Mm. You then move away from prefrontal cortex processing, and you end up in the med medulla. And what happens is you are accessed into your fight or flight nervous system, and everything that comes in is perceived as threat or non-threat. It's a great biological defense system. And I think under the current situation and climate with the massive exposure to information input, it is creating an overtraining type situation on the nervous system, which pushes people out of rest and relax into fight or flight in a continuous state where they're dealing with continuous exhaustion of the biochemical response that they're running from saber tooth tigers, even though it's just really a Republican or a Democrat uh, ideal, ide ideologue. And that ideologue now becomes a, th a, a threat uh, from a nervous system perspective of a saber tooth tiger. And if you live under those conditions for an extensive period of time, you get, uh, you, you exhaust the nervous system and that's well documented in the Sealy response. And so what, and, and then on top of that, these mechanisms have leveraged the most sophisticated computer programs and the most sophisticated psychologists to addict you to the stimulation. So now you have a light beam delivery system accessing your inner pharmacy to complete you addicted to both the pain and pleasure, as well as the uh, concordant, you know, tribal associates, as well as the need to identify the tribal adversaries. And because of that, one is not able to access the higher brain centers 
and therefore we were reduced to tribalism because of the, it's this unintended consequence yeah. of technological innovation. That's all it is. How do we get back to a state of discernment? Um, well, generally when the pain becomes significant enough and prolonged enough that people surrender the, the, the need to identify with their tribe. So unfortunately history has demonstrated that usually ends up in uh, an incredible level of uh, bloodshed, pain, suffering uh, going forth. And I really hope that that's not the case in this situation. However, history indicates that it will likely get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Oh, that, and, and how do we then move from not being in a state of fear or thinking about that, you know, Oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You know, it, it, if it does get worse, how worse is it going to be? And, you know, well, I think the, the, the biggest connection is the lack of connection to spirituality and spirituality and has been under attack uh, inside of many of our uh, trusted institutions for many decades and the unintended results of that was, was predicted by Frederick Nietzsche uh, when he said God is dead. Now, that wasn't a celebratory component because he articulated that the funda fundamental aspects of Christian values gave birth to the Enlightenment phase of science, science. And most of the great scientists eventually come to the conclusion of become kind of great spiritualists. However, when you take away science and reason from an overarching principle, a super concept of, of existence itself, which all breaks down under the Newtonian paradigm, which the world is living under right now, which is causality. This causes that, that causes this, et cetera. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you don't have that overarching overlord of divinity, if you will, or a connection to it, what happens is you increase the desperation for survival because one is not capable of acknowledging their own non-existence. And that is the fear, fear at the end of the rainbow of life is, and then I'll die. So a simple experiment that people can do is like, and then what? And then what? Mm -hmm. And then what to the nth degree? And then you're going to get to eventually, if you take it far enough and you have the brave, you're brave enough to do it, you'll get to the point and then I'll die. So the first thing and the most important thing for people to get clear in themselves is that you're going to die and to accept that death. Now, once you accept that, only then can you really live. There's a long pregnant pause for a reason. That is so true because it's only when we're faced with our own mortality that we can actually appreciate what is happening in in the moment right 100 percent. and the most kind and creative and connected people i've ever met are people who have gone through extreme levels of hardship and oftentimes personal loss on uh, a devastating scale because it activates the most key a key component to human interactions and that is mm. empathy yeah Without you know, empathy, we have nothing. And so if I cannot have empathy for my political opponent, if I cannot have empathy for someone who has a uh, maybe a well-grounded or well-founded 
version of the world that's different than mine. If I lose my empathy, I lose that which it is that makes uh, human, us humans. And we now derive to some base animal group of jackals, which are just going to feed on whatever. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I grew up in a really chaotic environment in East LA during the, the LA riots. There was, you know, I saw somebody get shot. I saw somebody get stabbed, like just in a very sort of chaotic uh, space. And so, you know, and I went through like PTSD and had debilitating anxiety and you know, when I was a teenager and then I found yoga and meditation and that's really what restored me back. And, and now here I am such a quick story, but one of the things that I found interesting about what you said is that empathy piece, because that really allowed me to go into the state of, of actually caring more as opposed to caring less, because I grew up with other people who were in the same exact environment, who became more apathetic as opposed to empathetic. And I always questioned what was the difference? Like, what did they not see? What did I see? Like what happened in the matrix of that experience where I am all about wanting to create a better place, a better world and, and being more, I mean, radically loved about being loving and being in the present and being able to just accept people as they are. And my counterparts were just completely disconnected from life they were like a vessel, a shell of a life. I would say it's grace and humility. Grace that you were able to find some instant in life that changed the course and the humility to accept one's own limitations. Because if you can accept one's own limitations and shortcomings within yourself, it becomes easier to accept those of other people. Mm. I love that. What have you learned about yourself this year that you didn't know before? Well, you know, yesterday, and so it's funny you should ask that because I, I, I believe in, in, in radical honesty, sometimes to a fault, I experienced what I would call an almost existential crisis. Mm. Um, and I've been during this tumultuous time, I've been meditating much more intensely and and what's interesting is oftentimes when you meditate much more intensely, you start to bring up these things. And there was an aspect of myself without going into all kinds of details. It was very uncomfortable to look at. It was, it, it was so much so I had to bring it up with my business partner today. And I brought it up with a, a close friend who's also an advanced me, meditator yesterday when it came up and, and another friend of mine in another group. So I think this is the reasons why they say uh, maintain spiritual company if you're on a spiritual, spiritual journey, journey, because That's it's right. not this, it's not this linear kind of growth. Yeah, It's like exactly. you get to a certain level. So now you can really handle the crap that you have avoided your entire life. And <laughs> what I came to recognition is there's an aspect of myself that for whatever reason, circumstances is, is, is allowing me to bring up to, to examine. And I haven't resolved it. I'll be clear about that. I haven't resolved it, but I am willing to sit in the stench of it. Hmm. Oh, so 
so good. I didn't know that we were going to have a philosopher on the show today. I would have prepared more. Um, God, that's so good. It's so it's so it's the discomfort. I mean, that's what all the numbing's about, right? Is being able to, you know, not not want to sit in the discomfort and not want to see what you said earlier really resonated. You said I'm human and there's, you know, I I'm not a I'm a flawed human. Like that's what we don't want people to know that we are not our curated grid on Instagram. You know, we want them to think that we are this person that's put together, that doesn't have these questions, that doesn't wake up in the morning and have existential crises during a deep meditative practice, right? Um, and I think that that's also part of that machine that you're talking about that has created this this shell of a life, right? We're not really living. I, I don't feel like we're actually living our life, you know, I was walking earlier, uh, just from, I'm at home from the bedroom to, to the office. And I saw, uh, my partner was on his phone. I could hear the news in the background. He's looking at the news on his phone and I'm like, just stop. I'm like, just stop. There's nothing. It's like magical time in the morning. There's nothing there that you're going to see. That's going to like, just why are you connected? Why are you plugged into that right now? Like it's a beautiful morning. Let's just let's just talk. Let's just have a, let's listen to some music. Let's, you know, it's cold right now. I'm like light a fire log, <laughs> but, but, and, and he, and he did, and he snapped, but it took that minute of him being shown what was happening because we're so we're on autopilot, right? We're operating yes. from that, the subconscious mind. That's just putting us in autopilot where we're not actually processing what we need to process at certain times, because we're just so used to being numb all the time, thinking about the past, projecting into the future and not being fully in the, in the present moment. Stress, sleep, recovery, whether we're at home or at work, these things shape how we perform. And just because I'm a yoga and meditation teacher doesn't mean that I don't experience these same bouts of stress. One thing I've added to my daily ritual and it's helped make a noticeable difference for me is New Calm. With New Calm, you can get the power and control to relax and recharge anywhere and anytime. The New Calm system uses cutting edge neuroscience and consists of three non-invasive and non-pharmaceutical items, all of which are included in your monthly subscription that costs less than a daily cup of coffee. The whole process is easy to use and to work into your daily ritual to achieve better sleep, reduce stress, and boost your recovery. So do what I did, own the day with NuCalm. We have a special link set up specifically for our listeners. Go to lovednucalm.com and get 50% off of your 30-day subscription of NuCalm and their money-back guarantee. That's loved, L-O-V-E-D, newcom.com n-u-c-a-l-m.com that's loved newcom n-u-c-a-l-m.com to get 50% off of your 30-day subscription plus their money-back guarantee and now back to our show I, I want to ask you a question because I'm curious to hear what you're I have a feeling you're gonna have a really good response to this but so I'm, I'm currently writing a book right now oh yes uh, is your first one Yes, yeah, my first one. So oh, I know great. you're experienced. Yes. I know that you've got, you know, you're, you, you've, you're the pro. And um, I, I was writing about 
being present and what being present actually means. And so are you, do you know Simon Sinek? I do. Yeah. So Simon. Well, I shouldn't uh, say I know him. I know his work. Yes. Well, <laughs> yes. Uh, likewise, we're, we're acquainted. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's been on the show before. And th- we had a long conversation about what it means to be present. And I really loved his definition because he said, you are present when you're the, in the service of someone else. Therefore, you don't get to decide when you're present. Somebody else does. Um, that, that was his definition. And I really, I was like, okay, yeah, because I can say I'm present, but if, if I'm with you and you don't feel that I'm present with you, you then get to decide if I'm present or not. Right. So I I was like, okay, I, I dig this, but I just, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on presence is. What, what, how do you experience present. And when you think about the present moment, just, I say that because I feel like there's so many different people preaching different things. And I'm, I'm, I just have a feeling I'm really going to like your response. Presence is for me, um, and how I experience it in my own life is when I'm simultaneously connected to the infinite field that makes possible everything in the universe while simultaneously going about my activities and conversations in life. Mm. And it's a very rarefied state that you might get a micro glimpse of. But to just give you an idea about that, I think we're traveling out from the center of the universe at 1.3 million miles an hour, flying around the sun at 500,000 miles an hour, rotating at 18,000 miles or whatever it is. These, these fan, like we are literally traveling over a million miles an hour on this little piece of dust and water (laughs) spinning in some, you know, kind of ordinary galaxy at some insignificant aspect in some giant abyss of, of, of the cosmos beyond comprehensional capabilities of what we can see. And I was in meditation the other day and the gold ring comes up, which looks very much like an event horizon on a black hole. And in my meditation practice, there's a, a five-point star emerges, which represent the five electrical energy. And the idea is to go through this. I haven't quite made it through that darn star yet, but I contemplated this idea in that moment that maybe black holes are actually portals into other dimensions because it brings everything, including light, sucks it all in and collapses. And it collapses so deep that when it hits a super point, it, that's like another big bang situation that happens. And there's all of these things going on in infinite amounts of going on in the universe. And I get to a point when I contemplate such things where my, I can feel the edges of my mind crash. Like I can take myself out to the point where my mind goes silent because it's failed. I can't go further (laughs) to me. That's the, that's the edge of awareness and presence because you have to transcend oneself. And I'm not able to stay there that long. 
unfortunately. But when I do get there, it's a wonderful place. And very seldom does it actually happen when I'm interacting in the world. I think that's technically called Nirbakalpa Samadhi. And if I'm here, we probably that's, wouldn't uh, have that conversation. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be here because so there would be good. no me. Busting the yogic speak, you are yeah. speaking our language. So good. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I think really presence for me is an idea and an ambition that you go and, and you get closer glimpses of it. And it's usually activated by empathy um, and it's usually activated by a, a, a deep desire to connect with someone mm. in a way that's not self-serving. So I would echo Simon's assessment of that. But in order to get there, you, the intention of service can't be for some unconscious payoff, which is I'm a good person. I'm right, being right. present for my partner. I'm, mm -hmm. My favorite is I'm holding space. I've been trying to hold space my whole life. <laughs> I can't seem to get a hold of it. You know, it's like, I really like, what does that mean? What does because, it mean? Well, I don't you know. know. It well, it, it, to me, it's, 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 it's spiritualization of it's spiritual grandstanding on a, on a certain level. I certainly think it's, it's important but it's, it's, it's illustrating that I am so grandiose in my awareness that I'm here to hold presence for our fallen brothers and sisters who are struggling within this moment in time. And there's a secret payoff inside of that you've got to catch. It's very, very subtle. And, and, and it, it, it's a form of, of, like I said, it's a form of moral grandstanding, which is so mm. pervasive in our culture, right? It's like, God, how do we get past that? We all do it and it's normal. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm just look at this in my own self. Yes. And it's same. like, Jesus, there I go again. Oh, wow. There's holy yeah. the Tao Wade. He's got it all figured out and everybody should bow down and cow down to his idea. Cause he's, he's got it all. He's boy, he's done the meditation. He's got the beads. He's got the right shirt. He's wearing the right, you know, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, geez, oh God. And these are all symbols of that. And so to get to that, 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 the point where forgiveness is not even necessary because there was no attack in the first place because there was no you to have it and there was no other person to commit it. Well, then I think you'd be in presence. Wow. See, I told you, I, I knew you'd have a good response to that. I knew, I freaking knew it. Um, God, that's so good. Hmm. What do you think people need in order to be more kind to one another? Well, it starts with oneself because that's the only relationship there is. There's only one self with a capital S. And so what comes up within my interactions with others is an aspect either I wish to look at, which is what we call concordant relationships and uh, which are somewhat precarious especially the more intimate that they get and then the other part is that which I don't want to look at which show up as adverse relationships and the definition of myself by the defining of quote-unquote my enemy or adversary mm -hmm. and both are perhaps somewhat useful or entertaining constructs to experience three-dimensional reality. But um, if you're really ready to do the work, 
well, then you have to let go of all that. In order to let go of that, you have to see that if I couldn't possibly experience that hateful person, if I didn't have hate within myself, because it's, a, it's, a, it's the fact that I'm experiencing it demonstrates that I haven't got it away from what I call myself. So you're saying when I get triggered, uh, there's that yeah. word. I, I yes. have a, my trigger is a trigger word for me. Is it? Oh, oh yeah. I fucking stand it. But anyway, okay. sorry. It's kind okay. of like holding space for me. Holding okay. space is a, so you, right. I, I'm going to hold space. Well, you get triggered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good. You know, it's so, it's so true though, the holding space thing, because I've How do you used, do that? I, no, but I've used that and I, I feel like that's exactly right. It's, it's, you called it moral grandstanding. That's so good. Um, okay. So tri the trigger. So when I'm getting triggered, I'm doing air quotes. Um, when I see a post, somebody responding to a post I did on Facebook, that is totally taking what I wrote out of context and is lashing out at me in a passive aggressive way. And it makes me want to respond in a passive aggressive way. It's coming from that state of recognizing that I have that same feeling within myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you're, you're on some level, you're being excommunicated from the tribe. Right, which activates because being excommunicated from the tribe was certain death throughout history, and that's baked into our nervous system. And 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 recognizing and understanding that is a very critical aspect, not only in being kind and gentle to oneself, but in recognizing that for other. Because what you did said, what you said actually created that response in that person, mm. and and what happens is that people don't want to take ownership of that. So they want to, so they want to, well, how dare it. you, how dare you, how dare you question my tribal beliefs, death to you and your ideas, string them up. That's, that's essentially what's going on because the, the because you know what, guess what? Historically, that was actually that's, the case. You, yeah. you, you probably got chopped up or your family got killed or you know, that you just, you know, exterminated you and that was it. That's so wild. Mm -hmm. It's so wild, you know, and, and I have to proactively allow myself to be present in those moments of discomfort and not want to, you know, spurn anybody else in my community and be like, oh, you just, you don't get it. You don't belong here, you know? So I'm always a big fan of just, yeah, like, I, I want to create a space for everybody. I don't care what your thoughts are, what your beliefs are. You know, if, if, if you're here, it's, it's for a reason and I'll show up as myself. You can show up as yourself. And, and that's really all that I ever ask. Um, but that's, a, that's, a, that's almost impossible in a world where we're connected 24 seven digitally to people yeah. who are outside of our proximity. We're only capable of managing about 150 relationships at any given time. And, and so when you have 5,000 Facebook followers, you're, you're 400, we're, you're 4,850 relationships overdrawn. Wow. So what happens? 
Well, what happens is you excommunicate the people from the tribe that don't connect with you. And mm -hmm. so you have to attack those out of a self-survival mechanism. So what we really have is a misappropriation uh, of our, our, our expenditure of our most valuable resources, which is time. And when the conflict comes up, and I, I get caught in these things, um, so I'm not here telling everybody how it is and I'm all perfect and everything. I get caught up. I was just in it the other day. And I tried to run the, the kind of the debate as far as I could to get to a point where we could just say, hey, you know, we, we don't really agree on this one. And that's okay. So I need to give up the need to be right. And then I also need to give up the need to have an opinion about everything. Mm. Right? That's really difficult because I've got a lot of opinions. And generally, I think I'm right. And those are two conflicting problems that I'm con consistently faced with from the second I wake up to the second I go to bed. And I haven't quite got myself out of that one yet. The fact that you can recognize that I think is definitely a good first solid step in the direction that you're wanting to go in. Well, the, the, you know, one of my teachers, David Hawkins, who I think is the, one of the greatest of all time, he saved me because I was a devotee of, of, of a, I'm a, I'm a Yogananda devotee. So I'm really yeah. into Yogananda and I follow the practices and I do that whole meditation. It's awesome. And I yeah. love it. And it's That's great. what got me into yoga. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, and so inside of it, in that book, I mean, Yogananda was a pretty impressive being like as a personality and he, and he talks a lot about sainthood and he's like, you know, saint, a saint is a sinner who never gives up, which I, I looked at that and, and at about 15 years into my sadhana, as they like to say, you want to throw down some. Yeah, you're doing it. You're doing a great job. Or my spiritual journey. I re realized that sainthood didn't look like an achievable goal for me. It, like, I, like I just looked at, like I honestly did an assessment and I was like, you know, based on my current trajectory, my current amount of effort and where I am, even to my limited level of awareness, sainthood's not looking good. And I was engaged in the teachings of David Hawkins. And, and he said, well, what's celebrated in the Christian Western ideals is the concept of sainthood, which is the perfection of the personality. In the East, they celebrate enlightenment, which is the transcendence of. And I was like, yes, there is hope for me. If sainthood's off the books, Maybe I, maybe, can just trans, maybe I can just transcend my own damn garbage because I don't know if I can fix it all. And if I just have enough humility to recognize it, maybe I can transcend somebody else's garbage. And if I do enough transcending, maybe I'll see that there was no garbage at all. Mic drop. That's a mic drop moment. So good. I don't even know where to go. We totally, this conversation just went so into an, a beautiful, another beautiful, just incredible landscape. I'm so, so grateful for it. Um, 
So now that I have you, I'm being selfish. Now I'm just asking you, I'm not even asking you podcasting quite. I'm asking you questions just selfishly for myself. We're just in the moment. Um, It's, It's good. Anytime we start a health journey, we can all use a little bit of support. And that's exactly what Paleo Valley provides. Paleo Valley provides products that prioritize nutrient density in an industry that prioritizes everything else. They believe that every dietary choice and every added ingredient is a powerful opportunity to love and care for oneself. And for me, that means doing everything in my power to make sure that my immune health is number one. Their Essential C Complex is a really great way to support your overall immunity. Their turmeric complex soothes joints, muscle discomfort, banishes brain fog, and helps protect against DNA damage. And you guys all know how much I love my greens, all the superfoods. Their organic super greens is the best. It's organic, non-GMO, and they use absolutely no cereal grasses. Make your health number one. Go to paleovalley.com forward slash Rosie, that's R-O-S-I-E, to get your Paleo Valley products today. Use Rosie15 to get an additional 15% off of your order. So visit paleovalley.com forward slash Rosie and enter the code Rosie15 to get an additional 15% off at checkout. And now back to our show. So my, so I'm, I'm writing about three different things right now, mind, body, and spirit. And so I want to get your take on all three. When you think about the mind, what is the first thing that comes to the forefront of yours? Body discipline. How? Well, the practice of body discipline requires a, a single point fixative of mind. So in order to cultivate uh, concentration and it was identified quite articulately by Patanjali is that one must first practice the moral and ethical edicts first, and then you practice asana and posture and things like that, which is the foundation of yoga essentially. But yoga has many branches, many of which aren't aware to the West. For example, bodybuilding, the sport I was, it was as, as a discipline in India for many centuries uh, before it came here. And I didn't increased- know that. Yeah, most people are concentrated on the opening of the energetic systems, but not increasing the energy flow, which is done through the contraction of muscles and holding them contracted. And so it builds up the energetics of the component. So most people think I'm a very intense person, and that's probably an accurate assessment. And most high-performance athletes that are engaged in strength training can have that level of intensity. And I do believe it's the, the, the yang part of the yin the yin of opening and whether you are more yang in your nature or more yin or feminine and masculine or whatever the, the articulation you have to put in today's, you know, 72 different gender manipulation matrix, right? That gets very complicated. I can't keep two straight, let alone 72, but we're working on it. And to, 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 to be able to engage in the opposite of oneself to bring those together requires a discipline, a discipline of focus, a discipline of practice. In doing so, strengthens the mind. And then by strengthening the mind, you'll get to a certain point where the mind will crack, which we kind of discussed about before. And only when you take that to the end, that, that limit, do I believe you can truly enter into the realm of spirit. And we see it in art. We see it in sports. We, spirit, we see it in the incredible stories 
of fortitude that you hear about, you know, some woman who was like her whole tribe was hacked apart in Rwanda or something. And she carried her babies across the savannah and didn't eat for three days. And like, you know, these, these things that you go, well, this is physiologically impossible. But she, she, she took her physical situation and the focus, the single-minded point is that I'm going to get my babies to safety, whatever it takes. That's when spirit comes in and lifts you beyond your physical and mental capabilities, in my opinion, or what I understand. And so they are, um, as a general progressive practice, intricately connected to each other unless you're like a ramana maharishi that woke up one day and you know fell out on bed enlightened and you know obviously from his past karma or something but who knows there you know there's always the beginner's mind and right you know that sort of thing and the sudden enlightenment and in, in zen or whatever but hey yeah. i don't know how do i know i don't know any of this stuff ditto i'm like we're just you know discovering just 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 yeah. two students having a having a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. How do we I, solve this math problem? X times Y equals Z. Hmm. I still consider I'm I'll be a student till the end of my days. You know, I, I'm it's funny, I'm thinking about what you said about the and then what and then what and then what. Um, because I I actually spent a lot of the majority of my life thinking the and then what death every night, you know, I, I would always say to myself, you know, okay, if you didn't wake up tomorrow morning, would you be okay with the way that you lived your life today? Did you do something kind? Did you tell somebody that you loved them? Did you recognize where your ego may have stepped in? I'm not saying I would fix it. I'm like, yeah, I was a dick earlier or whatever, you know, and I can, I can accept it and be okay with it. And then I would be able to go to sleep, you know, and, and this was just a practice that I would do every day just to acknowledge, um, death. I think because I grew up around so much death that I, I went from being completely afraid of it to just embracing it as part of life. And, and I, when I've talked about this with people, it, it, I, it's a bit morbid, but, but it's a part of life. It's, it's, it's a part of every, I mean, we see it every day in plants and animals and, it doesn't make it easy. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, I just lost my best friend, my little Shih Tzu. He was my, my baby for the last eight years, a companion and, and waking up and not having him here, not having him sit back there, not hearing his little dog collar, you know, all those things. I, and he died in, in my arms, essentially. Um, that was really, that was awful. And I felt the pang of that anger and that, you know, those moments, the, the grief and the anger and the why, and what's the purpose and what is the point and all of those things to finally get to a place where this is your practice. This is the evolution of life. This is why you do what you do. This is why you practice, you know, so let alone teach, you know, just, just the practice. So I guess I'm curious for you, um, as morbid as it may be, how often do you think about, how often do you think of that? Daily. Um, it's part of my practice. Um, I, I, and I think in the Western world, there's this very antiseptic, we're going to push it off down the road reality around death. 
it's, it's a very sterilized experience mm-hmm. here in the West, right? Yeah. And, you know, they bring people into the hospital and they try to keep them alive and everybody goes, we're willing to do whatever it takes. No, you weren't because you missed the boat in the 80 years before, right? That's the reality. And so now we want to grandstand again and, oh, yeah. you know, and say, hey, everything was great and wonderful. And then at the eulogy speech, we get up and doggone it. Grandpa Jones was just such an awesome guy and they tell the story and everybody sheds a tear and the next week nobody remembers anything or, you know, and I think without contemplating, again, contemplation death, I, I, I got access to that with my sister early in life. My sister uh, was four years my senior and, and ended up with a terminal illness. And the gift within that crisis was that my sister and I, who obviously had sibling rivings and all that sort of stuff, I was the only person in her sphere of influence that actually discussed death with her. And this happened as I was a teenager. And I remember those conversations very clearly. What's it like to be 22 years old and know that you're going to die? What do you feel? How does that, what's, what's going on? And she said, you know, the part, there's a few things. One is the things I won't get to do. But the part that really, she says, it bothers me is how everybody acts so different around me. And so I've been able to take that. Now, it's taken me decades to unpack the impact and influence. Obviously, I got into a health career. I wanted to create a healthy body of all these sort of things. That's the story of the bodybuilding magazine, all that sort of stuff, all by my sister. So there was a there was a deep impact of that quote unquote, as we'd say today, trauma. Everybody's traumatized, right? I mean, Jesus, life is traumatic. Period. Why label it that way? It's just it, you know, Christ. I mean, you know, I mean, geez, we can be gone. We're we're pretty fragile. Yes, we are. And we live in the the greatest time ever as far as the human condition the, i mean truly the, the poorest people in the world are doing you know, like I, I walk here on venice beach and and there's all the tent city of course and people and i see at the same time there's people coming by and delivering food and the guy's talking on his cell phone and he's getting donations from his venmo and he's got a beach house thing he doesn't have to work and he's got his friends around there and they party and they do drugs. And if they get upset, they burn each other's tents. And so there's a whole culture going on there, right? Okay. Now, in some ways, they figured it out. They're not participating in the world of consumption. And it's horrible. And I'm not trying to advocate or be down. But let's just take away, the, let's just take away all of my projections and I do this sometimes, I sit down at the beach and I watch the interactions and there's a whole, everybody knows who's going on. There's a whole society just like everybody knows who's dealing with each other in Washington or who's dealing with each other in the Ivy League institution or who's who at the yoga festival and which person. There's a little substructure within all of these things with its own rules, its own hierarchies, its own whatever. It's not that much different. It's not that much different in life. And so, but the one common element that that person down there on the beach 
which is just a little close to me. And the person that's in the $100 million mansion close to you up in the Woodland Hills is what? Death. It's the common element that we all share, we all cannot avoid, and what makes us all humans. And one of the biggest threats to our own ego is when we think that somebody is going to end the movie before we get to the crescendo of our life where we'll feel good about ourselves. Wow. Yes. I want to feel good right now. We can. <laughs> Looking at the time and you you called it from the beginning. You're like, there's no way we're going to keep this conversation. <laughs> oh my goodness. You, you were just, wait, I don't even have words. Like I... I feel like I can probably talk to you for hours and hours and hours because well, I you just have to come over to the bio home sometime. We get, I mean, yes, sort of please. I'd love that. Yeah, um, we get into these kind of deep discussions and it, it, oh, my, God. my, my roommate that lives in the East wing of the house, he's far deeper than me. I'm the shallow waters. Believe me. Wow. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. I am inviting myself over for an afternoon. Of- yeah epic 100%. conversation yeah, 100%. Um, yeah so for the people listening i hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation i want to keep wade for longer but i want to be respectful respectful of his time um there's there's two more questions that i have for you yeah please. Let let's go let's just, go. We're, no, we're i'm good I, we're, we're at the we're, we're at the end of the day so i'm I've, I've, okay. I've i've allotted all the time in the world for you what is what is your definition of freedom Oh, touche, because um, that's one of my biggest values uh, in life. Um, and I would encourage, just to parasite that, I'm, I'm actually stalling for time to unveil that, but I'll encourage your listeners because I'm always thinking of how can we service other people. And I, I went to um, Date with Destiny last year. I, actually, I, I went through a breakup of... A, a, I was engaged and thought it was all going to work out and had the life and everything and it, it didn't work out. And it was uh, shocking. So I, you know, I did some plant medicine and then I did Tony Robbins and then I went and did neurofeedback. And one of my most, and, and the most important value of course was freedom. Hmm. Uh, Cause he takes you through this and it's, I think it's a, be- I get why people pay him a million dollars. He's worth it. Go to date with destiny. It's really good to understand the subconscious drivers, what you move towards, but also what you move away from. Wow. I have been obsessed with the concept of freedom my entire life. And the ironic part that I've come to realization really, which was somewhat of my existential crisis yesterday, which is I'm attached to the concept of freedom itself. Wow. Wow. That's probably the best answer I've heard. Well, I'm working on it. 
I'd yeah. really like, I'd really like to get to freedom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, doggone it. I'm so attached to it. I can't yeah. seem to get there. That's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. You know, and I was, a, I'll give you a little another insight. I used to be a personal trainer and I loved it. And I've, I, that's where I founded my mission with my company, my business partners. A, he, he's also uh, was a personal trainer and we got addicted to the dopamine hit, I guess, or the serotonin hit or whatever neurochemical cocktail it has when we saw people transform their lives. And when I was a personal trainer in Vancouver, I was dealing with a lot of the who's who internationally successful businessmen and businesswomen and famous, like oh, just an interesting set of people that most people could never even get an appointment with. And here these people were spending an exorbitant amount of money for me to take them through a workout. And, and it, I remember I, 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 I was struck by the irony of this. And many of those people are my dear, deep friends today and have given me far more than I ever gave them. And one of the things that struck me is so many of these people who had achieved everything that you could possibly want had, 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 you know, did the whole hero's journey and made it and were standing upon with bloodied sword triumphant in the shining light as they were ready to go down to the village and the villagers have a celebration, you know, after the thing, the whole Joseph Campbell story. And these individuals were prisoners of their own success. And many of them just wanted to go paint or build a boat or let go of the titles and have a little hut in Bali where they drank coconut juice with the locals, right? It's kind of like old story about the fishermen kind of thing. Yes. And I, I used to tell them, I said, you know, getting you fit, that's easy. It's just, it's just mechanics and your ability to to go through the process and do that. And most of those people didn't really have too much trouble about that. They, they were coachable and had the resources and time and energy that they were going to do it and they would do it. I said, but what we really need to get to, what the real question is, is what you think you're going to gain by having the body that you think that you need to have. And I said, that one could take a while to, to come by because you're, you're enslaved to an idea. You're a slave that this body is going to give you the right person. It's going to give you the right job. It's going to make you feel confident. It's going to make you feel sexy, whatever the hell the story might be, because it varies as you get older in life. And, and I was struck by that. And, but in this moment yesterday, I was recognizing, dear God, I've become that person I used to coach. I'm a prisoner of my own success. And I was like, wow. Okay, well, all right. Well, we'll have to try that on, see how that goes. And it took me about four hours to kind of get there and, and, and talking to some good spiritual friends and just processing out the emotion and the energy. And it was a little bit deeper than that. I'm, I'm obviously going on the surface yes. here for the context of this component, but that's essentially what it is. So yeah, freedom, that's one I'm still working on. Oh, God. All right, here it is. Final question. So radically loved is the ethos of everything that I do or I like to think. I believe that we are in, whether it's 
God, source, spirit, whatever higher power you believe in, universe, consciousness, that the universe works for us, not against us, that we are essentially radically loved by our environment, meaning the elements, earth, air, water. We have the capability of being loved and feeling loved. Um, so the final question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? By radically loving. What do you radically love? It's not so much a what, because that indicates object subject and therefore creates separation. The only way I can experience radical love is to become it myself, in myself. And self, not little myself, big self with a capital S and recognizing that God, the universe, consciousness, loved, object, subject, everything is a game of separation. So if I want to be radically loved, the only way I can do that is to radically love so that I can actually experience the energy of it. Otherwise, I'm in a trade-off. I'm bargaining. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a bargain. And if I do a bargain, eventually I'm going to be disappointed with the outcome. And I think so many people, that's how they embrace relationship. I think they embrace everything is that it's not a giving, it's a getting. And what comes up and what you're faced with, and if you're going to go to unconditional love, in unconditional love, and that's not saying you enter into a situation, and I'll use the word unconditional because that's how I would determine radical love and it is radical don't get me wrong and i love that word actually um though it's oftentimes associated with negative consequences i know but unconditional love when i experienced it i think for the first time when i was in a relationship with a woman who had a severe drug addiction and the drug addiction was so deep that it was extraordinarily chaotic in my life. And this was early on in my meditative path. And, and I did, I really like, I had this situation that no matter what happened chaos and police and fire departs and my house, went, like, and like just stuff that you can't possibly imagine. And my friends are going, why are you this? Because every day that I would wake up afterwards, I could not experience any anger towards this person, even though I, it was not healthy until eventually she became violent with me one day. And it occurred to me, I, I was sleeping on the couch. I think she was started kicking me in the head or something in a fit of drug rage. And I recognized in that moment, kind of that, I was in that sleepy theta state. Mm. She was kicking me and then I began to defend myself, obviously getting kicked in the head sucks. Is I realized that to unconditionally love her was to be able to completely let her go to her own devices, whether that meant self-destruction or prostitution or drug addiction or all of the above or whatever that journey was to, to 
be able to remove myself from the direness of the situation, mm -hmm. but not see that I hadn't actually been in a state of unconditional love to allow her to live the course of her life without my projections of how that should be. But also to be able to remove myself from that and not feel bad about it because I wasn't holding up to some idea that I wasn't there for them or I wasn't kind enough or I needed to bring up some aspect and all those bargaining aspects that we do. So the great gift of that relationship was that as I became, became in tune to a radical form of love, which, mm. and inside of that, after that moment, I began to notice that I had a hard time discerning the love that I had between my intimate partner, my friends, my mentors, my teachers, people I would meet on the street suddenly and end up in a great conversation. To me, it became, um, was what Yogananda articulated in, his, in one of his books called The Divine Romance. And then I began to play hide and seek with divinity. And in my best moments, I would recognize that radical love. And in my worst moments, I would cut myself off from it. Wow. Wade, you are just the best. The <laughs> absolute best. I am just so, what, this is, what a treat. I'm so honored and privileged to have spent this time with you. I hope it's one of many conversations that we will continue to have. Um, yeah, please do. That'd be great. That'd be for, awesome, the for the people that are listening or watching this, where can they go for more information? Um, yeah, because we definitely need more information, right? <laughs> go to, they can go to uh, <laughs> bioptimizers.com or they can go to... Uh, uh, I think it's radical. What is it? We can go to magnesiumbreakthrough.com. Don't even bother all that garbage. We were supposed to talk about magnesium, but who cares? This was way better. Um, go to our site, buy optimizers. We're on Facebook and social media, but most of my social media stuff is handled by other people. If I get on there, I usually scare the hell out of my business partners because I'm saying something that's politically divisive or inflammatory to some group or something. It's not my intention, but sometimes that's not true. Sometimes I do it. I just like, Hey, what happens if I drop a stone in the, in, in the, in the sea, but, uh, <laughs> Oh you know, my God. So I'm not a big social media guy, although I'm doing the best that I can. And I got a great team that they, they, and I'm taking pictures of people like I'm supposed to, and they're, and they're posting it for me. And they put these cool coats that they cut out that sometime I remembered from somebody else. And, attribute it to myself and all these kind of fun things. So yeah, that's where you can reach us and by optimizers. And if you like my health philosophy, I do give away a free course, which is my health philosophy, which is my overarching approach to physical capability. And so that's what we do. Yeah. And so we'll put all of those links yeah. in the show notes of this episode. So definitely check it out. Go to the info button of this podcast, wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Uh, if you are on Apple, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We so appreciate it. We love it. We, we just, we welcome it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, the info for all those links, including my breakthrough magnesium link, which everybody's already heard of because I talked about it in the intro. So you just rewind this and, and listen to my talk about it. 
Um, I think that's it. Thank you so much. Those of you listening, always uh, just let us know what you thought about this episode. Please post, share, do whatever. Um, Even if you don't like it, just send us, let us know. Um, I will probably just delete your comments. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Hate helps the algorithm. So those. Yeah, right. No, that's good. Promoting Totally. Great. Thank you all so much. And Wade, you really are just such a class act. I'm so, so honored. And thank you so much for doing this. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been a true pleasure. And, and great questions get uh, good answers like sometimes. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.